Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Jamie Boy Pritchin shares a word on evangelism. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. All right, how y'all doing? Good. All right, so... um. I don't, I'm not doing like words, so if you have a Bible, you, you'll want to open it up or a phone or whatever you're, whatever you're using. Um, I want to, I want to share a couple of verses tonight that uh, just, as I was sitting there beforehand, just kind of praying and around my heart and, uh, and then uh, share a few stories with you guys. I want to real quick open up to uh, Daniel chapter 12, if you can. So if you weren't here last week, my wife and I, Jamie, so we're Jamie and Jamie, um, and uh, we are going to be with you guys for the next, at least the next four weeks, I think, so. All right. Yay. All right. So um, <clears throat> I want to look at this verse, and then I'm going to kind of break off from this here, but starting verse, chapter 12 and verse 1. This is Daniel. He's at the end of a prophecy about the about the end times. It's actually, the whole the whole context of Daniel ten through twelve is an end times passage, um, where uh, uh, a great angel begins to show him all these events that would take place at the end of the age, and then he gets to chapter twelve. And so, just so you kind of kind of picture what's happening in chapter, end of chapter eleven, he sees the rise of the Antichrist, at the end of the age. He sees its uh, military campaigns against the nations, and he sees what we would call the Great Tribulation at, at the end of the age. And then he goes into a, a summary where he says, at that time, in other words, at the time when the Great Tribulation starts, he says, Michael, and does anybody know who Michael is? You're like, he's the guy in my class? No. Um, he's talking about an angel, okay? He's the archangel Michael, and it says he, he's going to stand up. And what that means is that he's going to go to war. It, it, if, you, if you read the context of Daniel 10, 10 through 12, you understand he's about to go to war. This principality, he's going to go to war against principalities. And it's actually what, it's, it's, it's something that actually begins and starts the Great Tribulation. He says, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. That's, I mean, in other words, Michael is in charge over the nation of Israel. He says, and there will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. In other words, he says it's going to be the worst time in, 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 in all of human history that's going to come. And Jesus actually quotes this in Matthew 24, and he talks about, he uses the same exact language, and he talks about the great tribulation. And he says, and at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who's found written in the book. Do you want me to take a guess what book we're talking about? The book of life, exactly. And he says, um, everyone who, who's written in the book will be delivered. He says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. What do you think that means? Yeah, he's talking about the resurrection of the dead. All right? If you kick the bucket between now and the time Jesus returns, then you're, this, is, this is your verse. All right? It means this is the time when you're coming back to the earth, all right? You're going to breathe in the, 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 the air of the earth again at this moment. It says, many of those in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. But I want you to notice this about, listen to what the, what the Bible and history says about the people that awake to life, the wise. He calls them the wise here. He says, he says those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. That's like the throne room of God. And, and it says, and those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. Notice that that, that phrase that God gives the testimony about the end time church that, that raises from the dead at the end of the age. He says, these are the ones who are wise, who shine like the brightness of the heavens. He says, and they're the ones who turned many to righteousness. You know what that says to me? It says the end time church is a church that's bent on evangelism. That's, in other words, that's one of the key facets that God actually is going to say about the church. He goes, they're the ones who actually turn many, in other words, they turn people that were not righteous to righteousness. Earlier in chapter, chapter 11, Daniel says, he says that the, the people of, the, the, those who are wise shall lead many. And, and, and in other words, there's, a, there's an actual leading the nations into righteousness and turning them to God. I don't know, that verse was just hitting me. I was like, I was like man, that, that's significant. That's what the Lord is going to do. That's, I think it's something that's on his heart. My wife and I have been, been sharing, and she's been burning with this, this issue of, of the Lord giving us the sickle again to, to go and reap the harvest. And um, 
I'm not, I'm not here to share, like, about evangelism, like, if you're not doing it, like, boo on you. Listen, I get it. I, I, I want to stir, I'm actually, I'm actually partly just sharing this to stir my own soul, again, for evangelism, you know, because you, we, we can't, we can just get going, and, and we just, for, we forget about the people that are lost around us. We don't even consider them, or we're just doing our life, and we don't consider about their, 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 the end of their destiny, where they're heading, and the most important question of their life isn't being answered right now, and, um, you know, and so I just, I'm just wanting to like throw it out there and just say, Lord, prick us again to share the gospel with the lost, you know? And like I said, not, not, to, feel, not to feel bad or beat up or, you know, sometimes you're in seasons where it's like it's just you and the Lord. But, I, you know, I, I will say the seasons when I've preached the gospel and I've actually got out there and, and, and shared, all, it's weird how all of a sudden my issues become way less in my eyes. I think that's part of the lift up your eyes and see the, the harvest is right, you know what I'm saying? Like gets it off of you, you know? When you're able to actually look out and begin to actually minister to other people, it actually, like, your own narcissism begins to actually die down. Um, so I was thinking about, the, you, know, you know, Jesus' commandment to us. He said, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, you know, and uh, make, you know, making disciples of them, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about, you know, his last words when he left the earth. You know, he was sitting on the Mount of Olives with them, and, and he says to them, they, you know, they say, hey, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, he says, not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has laid in his own authority, but you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the you know, ends of the earth. And it says, and while he said that, they were all gazing, all of a sudden he's caught up to heaven, you know? And, I mean, you could just imagine, like, like you know, how dramatic that moment must have been. Like, you know, Jesus is like, they've been with him for 40 days after his resurrection, and then he tells them a, a quick sentence, and then he blasts off. And they're all just standing there, I mean, the angels had to go, why are you still gazing? You know? But if I'm a disciple, I'm like, I'm like almost thinking, like, probably whatever he just said was really important. You know, the, the, the last thing he said before he blasted off, you know what I'm saying? And, and it, it was this, that you're going to be witnesses to me. You're going uh, to go and actually share the gospel. In other words, this is like one of the key things that he wanted us to do. And in, in the meantime, between his departure, his first coming and his, coming, his second coming, was to actually share the gospel and preach the gospel. The Bible actually says that, that this gospel will go forth to all nations before the end will come. In other words, the, 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 the hinge piece that's waiting on the second coming of Christ is actually for us. Uh, you know the, the passage in 2 Peter where it says that he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish? You guys ever heard that, that verse? Uh, for a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. But if you actually read that in context, it actually says the, long, the Lord is long-suffering with us, not willing that any should perish. And if you actually understand what the, who the us is in that passage, he's actually talking about the church. I used to think he was talking about the, 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 the unbelievers, but he's actually saying he's, he's being patient with the church, not wanting the rest of the world to, to perish. In other words, he's being patient with us to actually finish the very task of the, of the commandment because he actually starts the passage off saying, I want you to remember the commandment that was given to you by the Lord Jesus. And he's referring to the actual commandment to go forth and bring the gospel to all nations. Anyway, so... Um, this is, this is something I think is very, very important and dear to the Lord's heart. And the Lord, the Lord in my early days, really gave, gave me a, like a burden for it. I want you, if you can, look at, I want you to turn your Bible to, uh, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 33. So Ezekiel is one of those books, man, like, I mean, I always love it. You know, all of us are like, you know, like, like I want to go deep in God. You're like, I'm going after Ezekiel. And you get into chapter one, then you're like, I'm going to Proverbs. Right, but Ezekiel, Ezekiel is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, in Ezekiel one, he's out by the river Chibar, which is obviously you've been there before, and um, and he's hanging out, and uh, it says he looks to the north and he sees a cloud like rolling towards him, like a big fire cloud, and it's coming towards him, and he looks at the cloud, and he goes, but this isn't a normal cloud. This is a cloud that says it's fire engulfing fire. So think like an atomic explosion, <laughs> sucking back in. <laughs> And going back out again towards him. And he's watching this thing roll towards him on the earth. And he's, he's seeing this thing. And then he looks inside the cloud. And he sees four angels, right? And they're standing in a square. So like angel man, angel man, angel man, angel man. And they're standing there. And they've got, you know, four wings. Two wings they're actually holding up. And two wings they're flying. And hands coming out under the wings. And beside each angel is a wheel. But it's not just a wheel. It says it's called, does anybody know what it's called? A wheel. Within a wheel, okay? Everybody's like, what the heck is that? It's really simple. All it meant was a wheel intersecting a wheel. So you had one wheel that was going this way, and then another wheel that was connected and going this way. And so it could roll this way, or it could roll this way. Does that make sense? I wish I could draw it. So four angels, 
and wheels, wheel, 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 okay? And then he looks there, and these guys are moving fast. As their, their appearance was the appearance of lightning. I mean, move, moved within the appearance of lightning. So 186,000 miles per second, these dudes are moving, okay, inside this thing. And he sees this, and he sees the, this, this uh, glow, this emerald glow all around. And, and he says they looks above them, and he sees a platform above them, and it's a sapphire platform, okay? And then above the platform, one like the Son of Man sitting on the throne. Okay, so he's actually what he's watching. If you can think of it, it actually is a chariot. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a angel man, angel man, angel man, angel man, and they're holding up a platform, and each one of them's got a wheel next to it, just like a chariot would. Okay, and it can go in any four directions. It says each angel, they're called cherubims, had a, fa- a face of a lion, ox, man, and eagle. Right, and it says they did not turn when they went, but they went straight forward in every direction. In other words, everywhere they went was always straight forward because there was always a face, right? It'd be like, here comes the man, here comes the man, here comes the man, here comes the eagle, here comes the eagle, here comes the eagle, here comes the ox, here comes the ox, here comes the ox, right? And so that's how they moved back and forth. And so they, so he's looking in this thing, and then he looks up, and he sees the sapphire platform and the Son of Man coming on the clouds. I want you to just understand something. That's actually what, what Ezekiel saw is actually what Jesus is coming back to in the earth at the second coming. It says in Psalms that he'll be riding upon the cherub, just like Ezekiel saw. Most of us have this picture of Jesus coming back on a little horse. You know, no, he's coming back on the fire cloud that Ezekiel saw. Anyway, so he sees this picture, and he sees God, and he sees the glory of the Lord, and he's so undone by the moment, he can't even, it's, it's so amazing, he can't even describe what he's seeing, right? Because he keeps going, he goes, it was the likeness of the, of the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. Like, you're like, well, is it or is it not? Like, what is it? He's like, it was the likeness of it. It'd be like, I don't know, I mean, he's seen something so glorified, so amazing, he can't even put words to it. And then he gets caught up to this vision, and the next thing you know, he's then brought from the, the heavenly realm, and he's brought back to the river Chibar, and he, I mean, by the, the city, and he's put there right with all the people. And the Bible says that he's, he's, when he lands, he stands there astonished for seven days. and doesn't speak, he just, so he's on the city streets, and people are passing him by, and he's going, so what, today's Thursday, right? So imagine it's Thursday right now, 8 o'clock, and, I'm, and you saw me, and I'm like, and then you come back next week at 8 o'clock, and I'm like, that was Ezekiel. And God begins to do a work in him, and he begins to call him. And in Ezekiel 1 Ezekiel 2, the Lord gives him a scroll and says, eat the scroll. He goes, and then you're going to go preach. And the Bible says that it became like a fire inside of him. He wanted to go rebuke the people, and he felt this, this need to actually go and preach. And then in Ezekiel 3, 17, the Lord says, I'm calling you as a watchman to preach to my people. And, uh, and he goes through, the Lord begins to take him through a whole journey of seven years of, of, of interesting prophecies, and all these different things begin to take place inside of Ezekiel. So we get to chapter 33, and Ezekiel 33, if you guys can go there real quick. I told you all to go there, and I wasn't even there, but here we go. Verse 1 says this, it says, again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save a life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the peop- uh, the, the, so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his own iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. <clears throat> so he goes on, and he begins to describe this. He says it over and over again throughout Ezekiel. And he actually says, he says when, when the Lord makes you a watchman, he goes, he goes, your job is to blow the trumpet when you hear the word of the Lord. And sometimes it's a good trumpet. Sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a warning of judgment. He says, but he goes, he goes, but when I give the warning, he goes, if you will speak it, he goes, he goes, it gives the people opportunity to turn and repent. He goes, and if you, he goes, if you do and they turn and repent, it will save their life. He goes, but if you hear the warning and you don't declare it to them, you don't share it to them, he goes, they will die because of their iniquity, their sin. In other words, they are completely guilty before God. However, he goes, I will hold you accountable for what you did and keep you quiet. 
And so it's, this, is an intense, this is an intense passage, but this is real. Like, this is actually how the Lord sees it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to beat us up, and we all could feel guilty right now because we all got a thousand examples where we just walked past when we felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord has grace. I know that. He can, he can redeem time. He can redeem us. But there's a reality that this is something that we're all going to have to give an account for. You've been given truth and revelation, and, and, and we're, a lot of times we're sitting on it. It's like we're sitting on a gold treasure that we don't want to share with anybody. And, and, and there's just a place where the Lord's saying, I want you to begin to, begin to actually steward this thing that I've given you and, and release it and share it to the people that need to hear it. The Bible says that the word of God, it does not return void, and it's, and it's, it's actually, it's interesting. Um, it's, a way, it's interesting how the, 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 like, have you ever noticed that, like, have you ever had, had been, like, a, just, like, out in public, and someone says the name Jesus, and all of a sudden the room gets, like, you know what I mean? Like, if something begins to shift inside of it, there's something inside of people's hearts that they're, they're actually longing to hear the message. They, they want you to actually share with them about something that's going to actually benefit them for, forever, and they, they, you know, they, they, the thing that we don't, we don't do it is because we don't, it's what, it's what the Lord told Jeremiah, he goes, he goes, don't be afraid of their faces. You know, there's something about people's faces and them just going like, that we're like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, he, and, and the Lord told Ezekiel, he goes, I'm going to make your forehead harder than theirs. He goes, I'm going to make it like, he goes, you know, like adamant stone. He goes, he goes, you're going to, you're going to push past their looks to actually get to their soul. So, I was in college, and um, it was, I don't know, my sophomore year or something. Yeah, it was my sophomore year. And uh, I go through this, this season, and I know this probably ha- something like this probably happens to a lot of you guys. This was very unusual for me. Um, I began to see the number 33 everywhere. And I, what I mean like everywhere, I mean like everywhere. I, it, was, it, it, it happened to me for about a year where, I mean, I would go to the store, and I would, I'd, I'd buy something, and they'd give me 33 cents in change. And then I, you know, we would drive somewhere, and it was always exit 33. Didn't matter where we went, it was always exit 33. You know, I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and it would be 3:33 in the morning, and I, it, I, I'd be like dead, I'd be dead asleep. Have you ever been sleeping and like, like I don't know for whatever reason, like your arm had just decided it wasn't gonna go to sleep anymore, and it's like, <clears throat> and it's just do, a, you just do a shake. I would have. You ever done that where you just like, sleep, <clears throat> you know, you just like, I would have these, and that time I remember so bad it would just wake me up. I'd be like. <clears throat> And I would, like, sit up out of bed, and I'd look at the clock, and it'd be, like, 3.33 in the morning. And, I, and it would just happen to me, not every night, but, I mean, often, I would just, I'd just wake up, and it'd be 3.33. Or I'd look at my, my watch, it'd be 3.33. Or, I mean, it was just happening over and over again. And then so all my friends, I kept, like, saying it. And then when they would get around me, it was like they would start seeing it. And then, and then it was just kind of this running joke where I was just seeing it. And I, I had no idea what it meant. And so I did, like most of you guys, I'd just start reading all the 33s in the Bible, you know, hoping it would tell me who my wife's going to be, you know. And, and um, couldn't find it, and so, and nothing was speaking to me, and so um, I was just going, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? And so um, one day, there was, a, there was a Baptist church across the street, and, uh, and um, I was just like, I just want to go somewhere and pray. It was like middle of the day, so there was nobody there, and so I was going to try to see if I could find a way into the, into the sanctuary, because it'd be empty, and I could go in there and pray, and so I went, and I found, a, I broke in, and um, I, I found a door that was open, and I get into the sanctuary, and I I walk in, and I just start going up and down the aisle, and I start crying out to God, and I start praying to the Lord. And, um, and I remember I come up, and it was, it was a Baptist church. So you ever, if you've ever been to, like, like, an old-school Baptist church, they got, like, the Bible. It looks like the Book of Life. It's, like, huge. You know what I'm saying? And so I went up there to see if my name was in it. And, and when I, I go up to it, um, it's opened up to Ezekiel chapter 33. And, I, and when I remember, I looked at it, and I hadn't read Ezekiel 33 yet, so I look at it. And I read the whole passage, and I just know in my spirit, I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is what God's been, this is what all the numbers were, this is what he's been saying to me. So I read it for the first time, I've called you a watchman, and I, and I go, I said, I was like, oh, yes, Lord, yes, 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 and I look at my watch, it's 3.33 in the afternoon, I'm like, <laughs> you know, and so I, I have this moment, I'm kind of like freak out, and, and I'm like, this is the Lord, oh my gosh, and so I go and tell all my friends, and they're like, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, I'm going to be a watchman, they're like, what is that? I don't know, but it's what the Lord's saying, and so I'm excited about it, and I remember a couple of, uh, a month or so goes by, and I go ho- back home from college for a weekend or so, and, and I'm staying with my, my family, and we have, a, my parents have a small little lake house down in Millersville, Georgia, so that weekend we went down there and visited, and it was a Sunday morning, so my parents were like, hey, let's go to the nearby church there in town, it's a little small country church, and so we don't, it's not our church, it's just a church we would go visit every now and then when we were down there, so I go to this 
country small church in Millersville, Georgia, and we drive there. I think we were a little bit late. We get to the service, and we're, and we're sitting in the back. I think worship was just ending, and the pastor of this small little country church, he comes up, grabs the mic, and he's walking around. He goes, he goes, he goes well, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He goes, when I was driving in this morning, and, 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 he, and he goes, he says, uh, he told me that next week we're going to have a guest minister. He goes, the only thing is, I don't know who it is. He goes, I think it's one of you that's here. And I'm, I'm in the back of the service. I'm like, I'm like, dude, that is so, like, brave. Because, you know, you don't want to just give the mic to anybody. I mean, you know, because you could have somebody that, like, hijacks the service, you know. And I was like, I was like wow, I can't believe he's, he said that. He goes, he goes, all right, he goes, we're just going to pray. So he does his sermon, da, da, da. And this is one of these, like, small country churches where, um, where after the service, everybody comes up and greets the pastor and shakes his hand. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Um, I'm not expecting that, just by the way. So, but, so there's a line, like he's at the altar and everyone's lined up and they're all shaking the pastor's hand as, as we're going out. So I'm, I'm somewhere over here in line, like, you know, and I'm with my family and we're kind of waiting because it's whatever he's doing. And so as I'm sitting there, this, this usher turns around and he goes, he goes, excuse me, son. He goes, he goes, are you the guest minister next week? And I go, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm from out of town. Uh, we're just here visiting. He goes, oh, okay. All right, sir. Keep a little and then this grandma lady, she, she turns around, she goes, excuse me, son. She goes, are you the guest minister next week? And I'm like, no, no, I, no, I'm from, from out of town. Or whatever, we meet the pastor's hand, and we're starting to walk out the door, and another usher, he goes, hey, he goes, are you speaking next week? And I go, I don't think I am. So we're leaving now, and we're walking out the parking lot, and my mom's looking at me, and I'm looking at her, and, and I, I go, that was weird. She goes, yeah. She goes, you think you're supposed to come back and speak next week? And I go, no, do you? And she goes, I, I mean, that's just odd. Three people asked you. I go, I go, yeah, but I mean, I mean, yeah, but I, I don't mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if it's the Lord, somebody else asked me. And so we're getting to the car and from across the parking lot, the guy goes, hey, buddy. He goes, are you the guest speaker next week? And I go, I think I am. And I looked at my parents, guy. I go, I go, can we come back? And they go, yeah, this is, this is God. Let's do it. And so, so I go, I mean, then I'm like, what do I just show up? Like, how, do I need to let the guy know I'm coming? Like, I don't know. They, they were, and so I'm talking to my parents about it. They go, well, won't you go back in and talk to the pastor? You know, he's still there. So the church is empty now. So I, 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 I open the door to the church, and I walk back in, and the pastor's down at the altar. So I'm like back there and, and looking at him. He's sitting down there. And he, from the door, I open the door. He looks up, and he goes, I knew it was you. And I just was like, I was like, I'll see you next week. So I can't do this serious. I was in college. I mean, this is what happens. And so we come back. I come back, and I preach that next week. And uh, I preach a message. I'm not honestly, I don't, I, to this day, I don't remember what I preached on. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was pretty awesome. But um, I probably told them all, they were all going to hell. I don't know what I said, but I preached this message, okay, and, and so after the service, now I'm, I'm the pastor, so to speak, and now the, the line is lined up, and everyone's waiting to shake my hand, so I'm standing there with the pastor, and my family's around me, and we're shaking everybody's hand, and it's, I mean, a lot of sweet grandmas, and you know, I mean, just grabbing your cheeks, it's, it's that kind of thing, okay, and so they're all coming, 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 and then all of a sudden, there was this, there's two men, and they're trying to talk to me, they're, they're both talking to me at the same time, so I'm trying to, like, follow both conversations, and, you know, and I'm trying to be nice, and just, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just trying not to offend the natives, you know, so I'm just, just doing the thing, and as I'm sharing, another man breaks in line, he, like, he wasn't like, he comes from the, from the back of the room, and he comes walking up in between the two men that are talking, and he comes up, and he's got his head down, and he's mumbling, and he's looking at me, like this, and so it's, it's, I'm listening to these two guys, and I'm listening to the guy mumble, and I'm, it's just, it's confusing, and I just, oh, sir, sir, I go, sir, 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 yes, sir, can I help you? And he's like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yes, and then he goes, Ezekiel chapter 33, he goes, the Lord has called you to be a watchman, one that'll teach and preach, and I feel the Spirit of God just begun all over me, I mean, tingles, like goosebumps, you know, like pterodactyls, I mean, just running down, and I'm like, and he goes, he goes, and I, he, and I go, I go, I go, what did you say? And he goes, ha, ha, ha. like that. And then he goes, and right there, for grandmas, everybody, he goes, fire, like that, and because of lay hands, I'm like, ah, you know, and, it, and, and we just have this moment where the Lord begins to touch me, 
And I knew it was like some sort of commissioning. Like, this is real. The very thing that God was saying, this man, and I believe the whole purpose of me coming back, everything was for that moment, for that man, the mumbling man, to come up and actually prophesy the very words over me. And so from that day forward, I knew, okay, Lord, you're, this is what you're calling me to. And, I, and, I, and I, at that time, I only saw it as an issue of, of evangelism. And so I would, I, would, I would try to share the gospel. I believe it's more than that. I mean, if you read Isaiah 64, there's, an, there's, a, there's a clear night and day intercession piece, which is hello, okay, um, what we're trying to do in this place. But the Lord, but, the, but and there's, so there's an intercession and an evangelism aspect to it. And so I think that's actually what Ezekiel 3 and 3, 33 tells. He says, you shall hear a word from my mouth and then declare it to the people. So there's the two parts. It's the intercession. It's the, it's the connecting with God's heart through prayer, hearing the word of the Lord, and then you have the authority to declare it. Jeremiah says, he says, if, my prophets would have, if the prophets would have stood in my counsel and heard a word from me, then they would have turned the people from their error. He goes, but instead they went even though I did not send them. And so there's this place where God wants us to first stand in his presence to hear the word from the Lord. And it's really simple, like, like get the download, and then you'll actually have, know what to share with people. Because I think a lot of times, we, you know, we don't want to share the gospel because we're like, I, I just don't even know what to say. Has anybody been there? I mean, you know, like, because you, you're in your mind, you're like, hey, man, Jesus loves you. And you're just like, and, that, and, and for some people that may melt their heart, that's what the Lord's telling you to say. But for others, you're like, I don't know if that's going to do the, the thing. But if you will just take the time to actually hear the voice of the Lord, then you're, you'll have authority, much more authority to actually share what, you, what, what, he, what he's saying. And so, anyway, um, so the Lord began to move in my heart over this, over this issue. I want you to look at you guys at a verse real quick. It's in uh, Acts chapter 20, if you can't get you go there. And this is uh, Paul, and he is nearing the end of his life, uh, end of his ministry, and he's already done his two mission trips, and he's about to, he's about to actually get arrested um, in Jerusalem, and then he's going he's gonna to eventually, eventually end up, he's going to be in Rome where he's going to get killed. So this is kind of his last time with his fellow believers prior to his arrest, but he knows something's up. He's got his spidey senses out in the spirit, and he knows something's about to happen, something's about to shift. He goes, I, he goes I, chains and imprisonments are awaiting me, and he understood that. And so in chapter 20, he... Um, in, start in verse uh, 17. It says, from uh, Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia and what manner I have always lived among you, serving the Lord in all humility with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I, see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in my ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify that to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you that, that, that he says, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Can you imagine how how, how like painful this would have been? Like the, 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 their spiritual father is looking at him, he's like, I'm about to go off and it's gonna end up in prison for me in chains. He goes, and he goes, in this moment we have on this beach is the last time you're ever gonna see my face. Paul knows it. And so he says, um, you'll see my face no more. Verse 26, therefore, look at this, this is the verse. I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I am not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Can you imagine having that testimony of your life? He's, I mean, he's pointing right to the Ezekiel 33 thing. And he could look at them and say, he goes, I can testify for God. He goes, I have shared everything God has given me to say to you. He goes, and I am free of the blood of all men. When I was in high school, and this is even before I even knew Ezekiel 33, I was, uh, there was a day when we were, we were in a, um, we, were, we were actually in service, we were actually in service, it was a youth service, and uh, 
Billy had us break up into little groups, and he says to us, he goes, everybody goes gather together. He goes, he says, um, I want you guys to pray the Lord would use you. And so I began to ask God, Father, would you use me? Because here's the thing, guys. This isn't about, like, you can't make this stuff happen. You can't, you can't make a divine appointment happen. But there's, I do, there's, a, there's a place where we can be, have our, our ears open, and we're, like, leaning, looking for the opportunities. Because sometimes the opportunities are happening. We just miss them. So we're, not, we're just not paying attention. But if, we, if, we're, if, we're, if we're eager and we're, we're leaned in and we're listening, we'll catch it, and then we'll be able to ride the wave, and God begins to bring it. So anyway, I was sitting there, and I, and I just said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, tomorrow, would you do some, use me to do something for you, something great, anything? And I, it was a simple prayer. So we go to, I go to bed, wake up the next day, I go to school, and I'm in, um, I'm in second period class. We were in a trailer, I remember this. And as I was in the class, I was, all of a sudden I'm reminded of the prayer that I prayed the night before. It just kind of came to me. And I was like, like, Lord, yes, Lord, I ask you to use me to do something for you today. Amen. And I wasn't, I, I didn't have any thought towards it. So the next period comes along. I don't know if you guys had periods. We had, uh, well, you know, classes. I don't know how they're broken up now. But that's how we had. We had, like, little sections. So I go to, um, I go to my uh, gym class. I'm in gym class. And uh, all of a sudden, it gets, like, really dark outside. Really dark. And the street lights come back on. And I see people, I see other students, they're all kind of up against the window, and they're looking outside. And so I, I walk over, I walk over, and I look up, and it is like dark black. It was, you know, you, I mean, just, just dark greenish color clouds. And uh, all of a sudden, it starts raining, and then it looks like hail's coming down. And, of course, every, you know, every, you know, weather forecaster in the building is like, that's a wall cloud, you know. And I've I never seen a wall cloud, so I'm like, yeah, it is. And, and we're having, it's, it's this moment of kind of like, man, that is an intense looking storm happening outside. And then. All, you know, all of a sudden, the, uh, the, the principal comes on the intercom, and, and you could just tell there was a panic in his voice, you know. I mean, he, it, he might as well have been like, there's a tornado coming, we're all going to die. But he, he didn't say that, but he, he, was, he was very like, everybody get, you know, get ready, everybody, uh, you know, you know <laughs> breaks for impact. He didn't say that, but he said, you know, assume the, you know, the, remember the tornado positions, you know. Well, what they did is they took all the guys, all the, all, the, all the boys, and they were in the, uh, the gym, the weight room, and the course room, and they shoved us all into the, 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 the boys' locker room, put all the girls in the girls' locker room. So now there's about 120, 150 uh, uh, teenage boys inside this locker room. And they're all in there, and the coaches are in there, and they're blowing their whistles, and they're telling everybody to be quiet, and, you know, you know, and, and it's just this moment you can hear rumblings going on outside. And uh, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's a little intense, a little scary, actually. And, and, and you can see everyone's a little bit kind of like panicky, but everybody's chattering and talking, and it's kind of loud in there. And the coaches are trying to get everybody to be quiet. Nobody's being quiet. No one's listening to them. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of rocking back and forth, watching everybody kind of go around. And all of a sudden, you ever, have, you, ever, you, ever, you ever prayed a prayer, and then the Lord wants to cash that check on you right then? You know, you wrote the check the night before in prayer, and he's like, all right, I'm going to cash it now. You're like, wait, 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 wait. You know, and I, I remember, I, I just, I, internally, I, not audibly, I just felt the Lord, like in my soul, I heard, it's like I just knew that I knew. He goes, he goes, all right, you prayed it. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? And he goes, he goes, he, and he, I, in my heart, he goes, he goes, get up and preach to these people. I'm like, not so, you know. I was like, no, you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm looking at all of them, and I'm like, no, oh, God, and I'm like, and I'm doing the, I'm doing the Christian kung fu with my spirit, you know, blocking everything the Lord's got coming in, and I'm feeling the arrow of the Lord, and I'm going, no, 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 I can't, no, no, wait, no, wait, no, 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 and I, and I, and I, I just feel, I mean, it's just not going away, it's just in there, it's just eating, like, and I'm like, no, Lord, I can't, no, there's just no way, and so I'm having this fighting moment with the Lord, and I'm just eventually like, okay, that's not the Lord. That's just me. That's just, you know, I'm just striving. I'm just, you know, da, da, da. And so I'm trying to block it out, but it's just, just gnawing on me. And he's like, you've prayed it. He goes, I'm going to anoint you. And I'm like, oh, God, no. I can't. Ah. Ah. And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, I'm fighting in my soul. And I, and then, and I, I go, I finally just said, I was, like, I was like, Lord. I go, okay. And I did exactly what every one of you do in here. I go, all right, Lord, if this is really you, give me a sign. Right? And I'll be honest, nine times out of, uh, 99 times out of 100, that never works, okay? Because usually just, it's just cowardness. But the Lord at this moment, by the grace of God, because I was just so weak, he, he actually really did help me. And this is what happened. I literally go, Lord, if that's you, just give me a sign. And I'm kidding you not. As soon as I said that, this kid, who just, he was sitting next to me the entire time, whom I've never seen in my life, okay, even though we went to school together, he turns and he looks at me and he goes, dude. I go, yeah. He goes, he goes, 
we're going to die. And I was like, and he goes, yeah, he goes, yeah, man. He goes, I just wish I had my Bible or I could hear the word or something. We're in a public high school, okay? I want to just we're gonna put that out. That's not a Christian high school. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at him, and he goes, he goes, he goes we're just going to hear the word or something. And he gets up, and he walks away, like into the cloud, you know what I mean, disappeared. And I just was like, I just, I just sat there going, that did not happen. No, that did not happen. Dang it. Gosh, and now I'm like, all right, God, this is you. Oh, this is you. Oh, no. So I'm wrestling. I'm, I'm immediately sweating. You ever had the armpit sweat immediate? You're just like, oh. You're just nervous. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, how am I going to, what am I going to, oh, my God. And I'm looking at 125 students that do not love Jesus, and I'm about to pray. And I'm like, God, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And just in my heart, I feel that, that verse. It says, do not worry about what you shall say. For in the moment, I'll give you those words. Which, that's easy to preach on right now. In that moment, it's like, you better cash that check, God. Because I've got, I'm like, so I've, I'm saying in my heart, Lord, okay, I'll, I'll say something. I don't, I don't know what to say. And out of my mouth, it was like the Lord went, oh, and he, I go, I go, can I have your attention? And what was crazy was for, for 20 minutes, the coaches have been blowing whistles. Everybody shut up. Nobody's, nobody's being quiet. And they're trying to get everybody quiet. Nothing. And then when I stand up and go, can I have your attention? Everybody went. And it went dead silent. And they're all, I feel every eyeball is staring at me. And I'm like, oh, God. Here it goes. And I don't know what to say. I'm just standing there. And I'm like, um. My voice is cracking. And I'm like. So I was uh, thinking, and um, and so I, I just, I just start. I just, oh yeah, I just start. And then I just, I, I, there's this, you know, you guys know there's probably there might be a tornado out here, and and you know, I was just thinking, you know, if this thing was to hit, I wanted to just know what would happen to your soul if you died right now. And then it went from like, like a, like oh, what are we going to say to this like somber? It just went on the on the room. And then things begin to shift, and all of a sudden, something begins to shift inside me. And that verse about he'll give you the words to speak, all of a sudden, because it's not you that speak, but it's the Spirit that speaks through you. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like in just a minute, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity. Because if this thing was a hit, so some of you guys would go straight to hell, and you would be there for eternity. You say you've not been living for God. Some of you say you're Christian, and you're actually not Christian. You don't serve Jesus. You do it in word only, and you live in sin. I was like, but God is coming for you right now. And there's, and, and, and there's a moment of decision that you're going to have to make. You're going to have to make it right in front of all your friends or right in front of all your teachers. The Bible says that if you will confess him before men, he'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny him before men, he will deny you before the Father. And I, I didn't share this point. And, this is going to, and what happened was before I got up and spoke that, what I had was I saw like an inner vision. And I saw myself standing before God on judgment day, and I had blood on my hands. And I knew it was in relation to actually not sharing the very messages that God had given me in the moment uh, that this, this was all going down. And that's actually, what, that's actually what actually turned my heart to go, can I have your attention? And this is even before I understood Ezekiel 33. And I got up, and I began to preach, and then God began to come on me. And as I'm sharing, the whole atmosphere changes in the room. And I remember this, this one boy, this one uh, teenager, I can't use the boy, he was my age at the time, but he, 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 was, one of, he was like the hard, hard-nosed kid in our, our school. He had, a, he had like, you know, he, every teeth was gold or, or a different color, you know. And, 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 and he comes up and he walks right up to me as I'm preaching. And I'm like, I didn't know he was going to hit me or what. I just, I turn and look at him and he's got tears streaming down his face. And in front of everybody, he falls down on his knees, weeping. And I'm just like, we're going to give an altar call right now. And we did. We, we gave an altar call right there inside the school, and about 100 students got down on their knees and prayed to receive Jesus right there inside, the, inside the, that, that little locker room. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I think every one of them stuck it out and they're all serving Jesus this day, but I know that it planted lots of seeds in a lot of their hearts, and some of them probably are serving the Lord to this day. That's not my job is not to make sure that it's, it's, it's you know, cultivated throughout, but it's to actually go out and water plants. So, and that was a moment where God began to get a hold of so many hearts during that time. And I'm not saying that to say I'm, I'm, I'm super what I was, because listen, I've, there's been so many times I've, I've not done this for, for the Lord. But that was a, mo- it was a highlight moment. 
but it was over the issue of that. I remember seeing the blood that would be on my hands if I didn't share. And I want to just just put that out to you, because I think some of you guys, listen, you're not, you may never preach on stages, and you may never, never do crusades, but you have three friends right now that don't know Jesus. You've got, you've got one friend that doesn't know the Lord. You've got one family member that doesn't know the Lord. Might be sitting next to you. Look at your neighbor. Look at you. No. One of you is about to betray me. Um, but, but I'm saying, like, like and, and honestly, guys, if you want to be a great soul winner, you know what you do? You just start with one person. Because that's really all the Lord wants you to do. You do that. He'll, he'll, add, he'll add the numbers and all that stuff. Hey, let him figure that out. You, if you'll just care about one, like target one. Target one in prayer and talk to them about the Lord. Talk to them about their heart. Even if it makes them uncomfortable. Like, they'll know you actually care deeply about them. Because you care about the most important thing about them. And, 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 you know, and just begin to reach out and share the gospel with them. Share them about Jesus. Talk to them about the Lord. Talk to them about their heart. Let them share their stories with you. I mean, you know, it's interesting to me. Um, you guys know, it, you know, it talks about in, uh, I believe it's 2 Timothy. He says, preach the word. He goes, he goes, be ready in season and out of season. In other words, this is something that we, we just got to be doing all the time, ready to share the gospel. But I was thinking about this, this idea of, you know, how many of you guys want to see signs and wonders and miracles? Like, really? I'm telling you, the quickest way to see it is actually through preaching the gospel. Acts 4, he actually says, he says, he says, grant your servants with all boldness they may preach the words that by stretching forth your hands with signs and wonders and miracles. In other words, that God wants to honor the preaching of the word by backing it up with signs and wonders and miracles. He, like, you guys remember the story where Jesus is, you know, they, they bring the, the lame man to him, they bring him through the house, and they, they, cut, they cut through the house, and they bring him to him, and all the Pharisees are standing around, and Jesus looks at the man, and he says, your sins are forgiven you. And then it makes everybody upset, all the Pharisees and stuff, they get upset about this. Like, who is this guy who can for, who say he can forgive sins? And he turns and looks at the Pharisees, he goes, he goes, well, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or rise up and walk? Let me ask you a question. What, what would be easier, if, if somebody is, has, can't, can't walk, he's paralyzed, right, on the ground right now, what, what's easier, probably, what's an easier thing to tell the guy? Hey, God forgives you, or rise up and walk? Rise and walks a lot harder. That takes a lot more boldness, right? Because now it's kind of like, you better have the goods if you're going to tell them that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want them to like, you don't want to say, rise up and walk and stay there. And you're like, or not. So I'm going to go into the corner of shame now. You know, you just, you don't, you don't want that, right? So it's just easier to go, hey, dude, your, your sins are forgiven you. God loves you. Bless you, right? But, but Jesus says this very thing. He goes, he goes, no, he goes, he goes what, what's easier to say? Rise up and walk or your sins are forgiven you? He goes, he goes, but so that you know that my message is true, that I have the power to forgive sins, watch this, rise up and walk. And the guy gets up and it confirms the message that he has the power to forgive sins. God wants to confirm your message by giving you power. He doesn't want to just give you power if you don't have a message, right? So he's not just trying to give us power so we can walk around and go, here's how many people I got healed. I mean, that's awesome that he, he does want to heal people, but there's something, he actually wants something different than just a temporary healing that makes somebody feel better for a few years before they die, right? He wants your message. If you give the message, then you're putting yourself in a target to receive the signs and wonders that confirm the message. First time I ever, I ever, uh, it's one of the first times I, I like, this is, uh, let me just share this. I, that I, I went out, one of the first times I went out preaching, um, and it's my, uh, like, by myself, was, uh, and, I, and I, I shouldn't say it this way. I didn't actually go out to preach. I, but but this, this is the point I'm trying to make is that how God backed me up once I started preaching the word. This is, this is the key. I was in a, um, it's my, it's New Year's Eve night, 2001. So this is, how, so I'm old now, okay, so that's a long time ago. And I'm a freshman in college. My brother and I uh, are down in a conference in Jacksonville, Florida, at a Christian conference, conference we went to. And uh, I decided to go on a three-day fast. Now, you got to understand something. For me, fasting, we haven't always been buddies, okay? I, I tried to date Grace fast, and she didn't like me. But um, you, you'll get that later. Okay, so anyway, um, I, I'm going to do a three-day fast, and, and, and I, by the third day, I'm starving. I was a football player at the time. I was sitting next to this girl in church, and I was looking at her arm, and I was like, I need two of those. And so I'm so hungry, man. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. All I could think about was food. 
And I'm just like, okay, third day, it's about to end. And I already had it mapped out, man. At midnight of the third night, dude, I am going to go kill something. I'm going to eat something that had parents. It's going to, some sort of meat's going to die that night. And so I I'd already decided, um, so like I said, it was New Year's Eve night, so I'm going to go get some food. And so it's 11.45, and I take off. I leave the hotel. I'm driving around trying to find some food. The only thing is it's New Year's Eve night, and so everything's closed, Right? Does anybody know what the only restaurant is in the world that's open at, at, on New Year's Eve night? <laughs> Waffle House. So I put it out there in the spirit to the Lord, and I found a Waffle House. This is for GPS. So I'm, I haven't driven around, so I finally find a Waffle House. So I, I get there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I'm, I'm about to pull in. But here's the thing. Everybody that went out to eat that night, guess where they also went? Waffle House, because it's the only place open. So I get there. The parking lot is packed. I'm like, oh, no, you know. And so... There's not a seat in there, and I walk in, and I'm sad. I'm like, I'm like licking salt, trying to, you know, just satiate something. And so I'm just waiting around, and, and then I, I look. So I was like, oh, gosh, I'm so hungry, and there's nowhere to sit, and there's a line. And, and so I was like, oh, I gotta go to the bathrooms. You ever been to, you ever been to Wolf House bathrooms? Yeah, they're awesome. You know, so it's all elbows, you know, and everything you touch. And as I'm walking out, all of a sudden, a family gets up and leaves, and the bench is wide open. I mean, it's like, you know, high, you know the light from heaven was on. I was like, oh. And so I was like, so I slide in real quick, and now I got me a seat, dude. And I'm like, oh, man. So I got the little menu, and, and this is one of those awesome Waffle House. This is one where the, the, the windows are slightly greased, you know what I'm saying? Like, broken in, you know what I mean? It's really good. So I'm, I'm ready to eat, and so I'm sitting there, and I've got my menu, and I'm going to order a double cheeseburger, double hash brown. This is how you break a fast, anyway. And so, you know, Coke and a little pot. I had it all set up, okay, and I'm ready. And, uh, and as I'm, I'm, uh, the, the waitress comes over, I order my food. And I'm sitting there waiting. But here's the thing. When you've ever been on a fast before and your spirit just gets a little more sensitive to God than normal, it's just like you can feel that, you know. And um, I call it the, the divine, <clears throat> you know, inside. You, you know, you just hear that, <clears throat> like, yes, you know, <laughs> speak your certain ears. And I, I feel in my, like a conversation going on in my heart. And it's something like this. You're hungry right now. But what if a family's in here and they're looking for food? Would you be willing to get up and let them have your plate, and you wait. And I'm having this, like, internal, like, uh, oh, God, no, don't do that to me. Lord, please, you know, I'd rather be a martyr, please. And, um, and I'm sitting there, and, and uh, all of a sudden, I remember this couple opens the door, and they walk in, and you guys know the, the little jukebox there, you know, they have the old, it's like, so there's a chair, and there's a waiting chair on either side, and they come, and they sit right there next to me. And I'm like, and and I see them, and all of a sudden I'm having this dialogue in my heart. I'm like, Lord, I'm like, really? Do you really want me to get up? I'm so hungry, God. And I've already ordered my food. And, you know, do you want me to let them sit here? Lord, really? And then in my heart, I feel like the conversation changed. He goes, no. He goes, why don't you ask them if they want to sit with you? That's so weird, God. That's so weird. They're not going to want to do that. I don't want to do that. So, oh, it's so weird. I know I'm going to do that. So anyway, then all of a sudden my food comes, and I'm like a, I'm like a T-Rex. And it's coming. Like, you know, I'm just like trying to get to it already. And it comes down and lands, and dude, I start eating that thing so fast, man. I mean, I'm just, just I'm like a dog ripping a sock, you know. And I just, anyway, I, I, I'm swallowing so fast that the couple, I hear them giggling and laughing. Seriously, I'm like, and I look at them, like, and they, they're like, I go, I go, what? And they go, man, you look hungry. I go, I go, yeah. And they go, they go, well, hurry up and eat so we can have a place to sit. And they're, they're just kind of bantering around. And when they said that, it's just like it. I don't know. I just, it's like it gave me permission. I go. Well, y'all are more welcome to sit with me if you want to. And they're kind of shocked, and I can't, I can't believe I just said that. And that, I'm just, I just think about how now, I'm like, that's so awkward. But they just kind of looked at each other and looked at me, and then, and, and they said, yes, believe it or not. They actually, they said, you sure? I go, I mean, yeah, it's open. I mean, feel free. Y'all, y'all can sit and get some food. So they did. I mean, they were, they were probably in their mid-30s. I was in my 20s, early, you know, 20s. So they come and they sit down in front of me, and, and, and I'm eating, still eating fast, and they're, we're talking. They just got back from some New Year's party. They're, they've been drinking a little bit, I could tell, but, I mean, they weren't drunk or anything. But they, you know, they're just sitting there, and they're just talking, and we're talking back and forth. And finally, the girl, she was sitting here, the boy, the, 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 I, I think they were boyfriend and girlfriend, um, and she, she says, she goes, man, you sure do look hungry. And without thinking, I go, yeah, I haven't eaten in three days. And I was like, oh, God. Because as soon as I said that, they go, what? They go, why, why haven't you eaten in three days? And now I'm like, try, I don't want to talk to him about fasting. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, so I'm, I'm like, I just, 
I said, I've been busy. I just, uh, you know, I don't look malnourished. So they're like, they're like, what? Like, like, you haven't eaten in three days? I'm like, and, and, and so I tried to wiggle out of it. And I just couldn't because they kept pressing me. Finally, I just go, I go, look, I, I, uh, the, the reason is I said, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I, I felt like, like God told me not to eat for three days. And it just, there's no, there's no way to say that, like, sensible, or they'd understand that. And they, she just goes, oh. I could just tell they were like. And uh, they just looked at me, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, I'm like yeah. And, and then the girl goes, so, wait. She goes, you're saying that God came down and told you to not eat food for three days. I'm like, sort of, kind of, pretty much. Sort, I mean, not quite that intense, but yes. And then she goes, okay. She goes, she goes, well, we're not Christians. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, she goes, and then she begins to tell me. She and she begins to tell me they used to be part of a church, a certain type of denomination church. She goes, and in their church, our our priest molested a child. And then she begins to talk about how from that point they've just been turned off to church, turned off to God, and they're pretty much it's agnostic. Uh, I don't know if she says she's an atheist, but she was agnostic. And she just, and, and as she was talking to me, she was getting more and more angry. Not at me, but just angry about the situation, angry about her, her views of God. And uh, so much so, she was getting a little red in the face. And uh, I just listened to her for 10 minutes. I don't know what the time was, but she just talked to me. And at the end of it, I just said, ma'am, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And a lot of the things you're sharing, I can totally understand where you're coming from. And I, you know, and thank you. I, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. Would you guys just mind if I share a little bit about my, my story, what happened? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. So I just began to share my testimony, just share about Jesus, what he did for me. That, that was it, just share about the Lord. And as I'm sharing, the girl, she was standing there, all of a sudden she just starts, I don't want to exaggerate this, but she was, she was acting unusual. I just, like, not shaky, but just kind of fidgety. And it was, it was enough to where it kind of got my attention and it got her boyfriend's attention because he looked over and kind of put his hand and he goes, baby, you okay? And she was like, and then, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I wasn't even through tell, telling my testimony. And she goes, babe, she goes, do you think it's possible that, that if God's real, like, he may have brought us here just to hear from this guy? And, of course, I'm like, no way. You know, like, internally, I'm like, it's working. You know, like, I mean, but externally, I'm like, I was like, I was like well, yes, I do, ma'am. Bless God. But internally, I'm like, no, what's happening? And uh, this is what I said to her. I, what, what, I was, what I wanted to say to her was something like this. I wanted to say, ma'am, I don't believe you're here by accident. Now, that would have been really easy to say, but I didn't say that. But what I said was, ma'am, I believe the steps of a man are ordered and directed by God. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but I made it more confusing. I just went, and, and what I meant to say was, I don't believe you're here by accident. But I, was, I just said, ma'am, I believe the steps of a man are ordered and directed by God. In other words, you're not here by accident. God, God, this is a divine moment for you. But when I said that phrase, ma'am, I believe the steps of a man are ordered and directed by God. I kid you not. When I said that, the door opens at Waffle House. You know, there's two doors, you know, the bug door and then the other door. Door opens, and this short, middle-aged, African-American grandma comes walking in the door. And then she opens the second door. And as she walks in, she stops right in the middle. She looks around, and she looks right at us. And then she walks right over to our table, and we all turn and we look at her, and she bends over our table, and she goes, um, excuse me. And we go, yes. And she goes, I believe I'm supposed to tell you guys that the steps of a man are ordered and directed by God. ever felt like you were on holy ground? Have you ever taken your shoes off at Waffle House? I sat there, and I just went, oh my gosh, I had my hat on like this, and I put it down right into my ketchup. Oh my gosh. And the couple, we didn't even respond to the lady, the couple, when I, I peeked up, they were like, and she's just sitting there, and she goes, Okay, well, bless you guys. And she was turning to walk off. And we hadn't responded. We were so shocked. Nobody said anything to her. And, the, and, and finally the couple goes, no, 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 no. They go, 
And they, they're just, she goes, hold on, they go, hold on a second. They go, do you know him? To me. And she goes, no. And they looked at me and they go, do you know her? And I go, no. They go, they go, so y'all aren't like working this together? And I go, no. How could I have done that? I, I was here before y'all. Like, no. And they go, ma'am, you don't understand. He just said that to us. And he's been talking to us about God this whole time. And she goes, well, praise the Lord. She goes, hallelujah. And she starts doing this little jig dance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hi. And she dances right out the door and leaves Waffle House. Doesn't order or anything. Doesn't even go to the restaurant. And we're like, And the couple, they just look at me and they go, can you, can you start over and tell us everything again you just said about, the, about God, about Jesus? And I did. I got to share with them all again. I just, man, I was so moved by that. Because think about it. I'm just there. I was, honestly, I didn't go there to preach the gospel. I went there to eat because I was just really hungry, okay? And yet there was a moment I just tuned in for a second, just a little bit, just a little bit, just to hear Lord, is there anything you're just, you know, and, and it, was, it was like, would you be willing to sit? I had that whole conversation, just tuned in just a little bit to God, and then all of a sudden, I was open to the moment to let people sit with me, which shouldn't have worked out that they actually did, and now I'm talking to them, and as I'm talking to them about Jesus, he starts working the signs and wonders. And there's a grandma driving down the road, who knows, you know, praising in tongues, whatever, and the Lord says, go to Waffle House, and she's crazy enough to do it, and she's not even going there to eat, and she's got a word on her mouth, and she's going to come and deliver it to confirm the word I just spoke. Yeah, it's crazy. But man, that's, that's what you want, right? I mean, that's, I mean, come on, think about it. If, if Christianity was going to be awesome to you, it would be you would be doing stuff like that all the time. What's not awesome, man, is just coming to church and like being like, okay, cool, I heard a good message. I'm going to go home and do the exact same thing I did this week. Like that, that gets old, that gets boring, and it's not very life-giving. But there's something about like being on a journey with God when you start seeing the, 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 the activity of the Spirit taking place and like you're praying and then it's getting answered and then you're, you're speaking and then it's getting confirmed and then there's a sign and a wonder and a, oh my gosh, and then God, the whole God thing is now cool and something you actually you actually, now it's like when you tell people the good news, it actually feels like good news. It actually feels like you've got something to tell them because there's power behind it. And there's something to it. It's not just like you're clever enough to convince them they should be a Christian just like you so they can be bored just like you. Right? And like me, I, I get that. Like I want to see the hand of God moving, but there's something about getting out there and just sharing. And it's not like you've got to be the most bold personality ever. Honestly, it's like you got their one friend. If you'll just start talking to him about the Lord, you'll be surprised. You'll be like, you'll share with them about Jesus, and then it'll feel so awkward. And then a week later, they'll come back and go, I had a dream. You know? And it's something that confirmed what you said. And, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's working. You know, And you'll be just as surprised. And, man, it'll start making sense. And it'll get your mind off you. Like the whole narcissistic, you know what I'm saying? So, and like you can lift your eyes up because you begin to actually enter into part of the calling he's given you. And it, it's not about your personality, whether you're a preacher. Like you may not be able to stand up here in a microphone and feel comfortable doing that, and you don't have to. Okay? It literally could be what you know, you and your your I don't know, your online thing or whatever it is God's giving you, your little, your little sphere to influence people. Man, start there and start small and like it small. You know? God's not gonna just all of a sudden put you on stage in front of millions. He's just gonna say, go win one. Go win one. Man, you, you gotta make it in your a desire and a prayer. This year, this calendar year, you're gonna win one soul to Jesus. Like, think about that. You just got that vision in your heart. It wouldn't stop there, man. It would, it would get contagious. You'd be like, all of a sudden, you win one. You're like, <laughs> you'd be looking at every single person. You're like, <laughs> you, know, you just want to like get in there and start talking to them because it, it gets addicting. I'm saying this myself. I want to get stirred up again this again with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to, I don't want to just preach this message and then I, I, don't, I don't get moved by it. You know what I'm saying? Because I know how to preach the message. That doesn't count, Right? Like, we actually got to do this thing. I've got opportunities. I think about my work right now. I can, I, when I go into people's homes, and sometimes I do, but I need to do it more. I mean, I, I was, there was a lady's house today, and she's sick. I didn't pray for her. You know? And I left, and I was like, I probably should have prayed for her. And it's been, it would have been easy. And she would, I know she would have welcomed it. She's sick. She's sitting in her home all day. My point is this, is that we can all do better than this. And I think the Lord wants to stir and awaken. He wants to call us as a watchman. I think he's calling some of us here tonight. 
to be a watchman. And it's not this scary, like, you know, bloods on your hands, like, better do it because of that. It's like God's giving you an opportunity. You're going to have an opportunity like Paul to be a God free of the blood of all men. I've, I've shared the whole counsel of God. I've, I've, I've given my life away. And, and you know, Paul said this, uh, in with this, he says this to the Corinthians. He says, what is my joy? What is my hope? What is my crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you, brethren, with me at the coming of the Lord? You know, one of the greatest joys of Paul's heart was that he goes, he goes, he goes, that on the day that I stand before Jesus, I'll look around and see those that I won to Jesus with me. You know? Like, there's, there's coming a day, like that, that's going to really matter to you. When you stand before the Lord and you look behind and you see all the ones that God allowed you to influence to bring them into eternity. And there's going to be such a thank you in their spirit towards your testimony and witness to them. And if, even if it's just five people, and that is going to be, or three people, whatever it is, like that is going to be so important and so valuable. And it's going to be one of the crowns of rejoicing in your spirit. And God's going to do this. He's doing this in the church. He's going to have a, a people that are wise, that shine like the brightness of the firmament, that turn many to righteousness in the earth. Babe, you have anything? Yeah, I've just been hearing, um, I guess for a week or so now, when I pray for you guys, just this phrase, each one reach one. Each one reach one. And what would it look like if each of us reached just one person? You know, and I, I hear the... Thing, well, I don't know what to say, or I don't, I don't know the Bible that good. I don't know even know what it means to preach the gospel. I don't even know what that means. And it's really, I think we can overcomplicate it. Or like, I really can't hear the voice of God to know if he's asking me to do something or say something. But, you know, you have a story, and you can tell your story. You know, you can invite somebody like, hey, I go to this church. It's a little weird, but it's kind of cool. You want to come with me? You know, bring someone with you, you know, bring them, bring them to church. Hey, come, you might get a little freaked out, but hey, we like that, right? We like getting freaked out. And so I just, I just feel that, that invitation from the Holy Spirit, just each of us, if we reach one person, not to make our numbers big or something like that, but because Jesus is longing, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. He, he's, uh, he looks out over a generation and He's moved with compassion because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And you and I, we have, like Jamie was saying, we're sitting on that treasure. And I just think about, you ever, um, you ever had a friend who has a crush or a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend? What do they usually do? They're excited and you hear all about Mike or... Kara or whoever it is, you know, they, they talk because it's just, they're excited. It's an overflow. And they're telling you about how awesome Mike is or, you know, da-da-da-da-da. They don't shut up about it, honestly. You're kind of like, I, I get it. You like him. Like, he's awesome, right? And sometimes I think we overcomplicate sharing the gospel. We're like, I gotta, I gotta know all the theology. I have to know the Romans road. I have to know, like, all, all the answers to all the hard questions, why do bad things happen to good people, all that stuff. But the truth is, we just have to tell about the one we love. Who's Jesus to you? Why do you like him? Why are you giving your life to him? What has he done in your life? How, you know, what's your story? And I think as we do that, then God does. He opens up the doors and, and crazy things begin to happen. And I would just say this, for some of you guys, you go, well, I don't really have a great story. Because you, you always look at the person that's like, came off like meth, you know, and is now a preacher. You're like, I guys got a story, you know. And you're like, when you look at your life, you're like, I went to church my entire life. And, you know, and now I'm serving Jesus. So I'm going to tell you something, guys. Sometimes that's, that's one of the most powerful stories is the, the, the power of God to, to preserve you and to keep you. You know, you don't have to have a, a deep life in sin in order to be an effective preacher eventually. Jesus is the greatest evangelist of ever, and he knew no sin, yeah. right? And so, in other words, don't, don't be ashamed of your testimony, even if it's not as radical as someone else's, because you have a story, even if it's, you know, even if it's very, what we would say, not radical in the sense of the, of the, of the way that you were converted, but, you know, you have something you can share about the way God's preserved you or kept you. Yeah, and sometimes it's just going up to somebody and letting them know you care. Hey, can I, is there anything I can pray for you about? 
hey, Jesus loves you, and just the simple truths, and watch what, what God does. But I, I do, I feel like God wants to do two things. I think I just have been hearing the word activation, and I think there's, he wants to activate us to be soul winners, activate us to be watchmen, activate us to, to get stirred up again, just to share the gospel with people, um, and to see people the way he sees them. You know, that we wouldn't be, like Jamie was saying, moved by their faces, or that guy doesn't look like he wants to hear anything about Jesus. But we would see their heart. We would see the way Jesus sees. And that we would have his compassion for the lost. We would feel what he feels for the lost and the broken. So just I guess we'll invite the worship team to just come back up. And I just want us to take a moment and pray. So let's just all stand to our feet. And I want you to think, I want you to ask God to bring people to mind that he wants you to pray for that don't know him. Ask him to bring people to your mind that he wants you to share with. Maybe it's invite them to church. Maybe it's share your testimony. Maybe it's sharing the simple truth that Jesus loves them. Just take a moment and ask him to show you. You might see their face flash before your mind. You might think of them. You might think of their name. It might be a family member. It might be a coworker. It might be a classmate, a friend. And maybe there's even people in this room that, as Jamie's talking, are like, I just don't know the Lord like this. I need to give my life to him. I need to give my life to Jesus. And tonight, there's space for you to, to respond to even that invitation. If, if you yourself would say, I, I don't know where I would spend eternity, to be honest. I come to church, but I don't, I don't know Jesus. I've never given him my life. I've never turned from my sins and asked him to forgive me. If that's you tonight, we want to pray for you. We want you to leave tonight knowing that you know that you know that you know Jesus, that you're eternal destiny is secure, that your sins are forgiven. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersati. We'll see you in the next episode.